Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Just tur turn your palms to heaven. God, I thank you for this moment. Sickness and, and death, depression, all of these things that, that can rage around us, that can rage in the world. Right now, we claim the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over our house, the blood of Jesus over our lives the blood of Jesus, the covering that protects us, the covering that washes our sins away, the covering that we live under, the covering that we abide by, the covering that we thank you for. When we apply the blood of Jesus to our lives, no evil shall befall us, though 10,000 fall at our right hand, Diseases will not touch us. The enemy has no authority over the blood of Jesus. Every single fiery dart is quenched by the shield of faith. Right now, God, I pray for, I pray for faith in this house. Faith in every heart. God, that your shield covers us. Like a, like a mother hen protects her chicks, God. Your covering is over the top of us. God, I thank you that you give us the, the understanding, the wisdom, the strength, the patience to stay under that covering, to stay under your protection, to stay in the house that has the blood on the door, in the house, in your house that has the covering. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a beautiful song. What a powerful moment. Denise, did you put that set together? Did you, did you know that while we were singing that song, the sun was setting? And did you know that because the sun set during that song, it's the start of Passover? Passover just started while we were singing that song, while the sun was setting. The start of what the Jewish faith celebrates as a Passover of salvation. The destroying angel was prevented from going in and killing their firstborn son, the 10th plague. That was the final plague that was needed for them to start the exodus out of Egypt. And while we were singing that song, those who, who are in the Jewish faith would have started, would have recognized the start of the Passover celebration and it's, it's no coincidence, you know, that, that this night, the start of Passover night, is a night of communion for us. It's a night where we, where we remember, where we celebrate what Jesus did. We celebrate salvation in the blood of Jesus. We celebrate that he gave his life. You see, the, the Passover, how it was first instituted was that all of the children of Israel had to take a lamb, 
one year old, they had to sacrifice this lamb and they had to spread the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And that was the covering that I was talking about. The blood was a covering, the blood was a protection, but then that lamb became the Passover meal. And everybody who was in the house could not go out of the house until morning. Everybody who was inside of the covering had to stay inside of the covering. But they came together around this meal. So communion is the covering, that's the blood of Jesus, but communion is also the, the body, the flesh of the lamb, the flesh of the lamb that was slain. Jesus said, I am the lamb. I am the lamb that was slain. His blood is our covering to, to wipe away all of our sins, but his body is a place of communion. His body is a place of connection. When we remain in him, when we remain in his house, when we remain in his body, then we are in communion with him and with each other. So over the course of this service, and, and you don't have to do it right now, and I would encourage you actually just to wait a moment. As you are ready, I would invite you to take communion. As you are ready. I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, we can, we can be a little bit flippant about this moment. We can, we can take it more lightly than we probably should. And so it's, it's, it's my commitment to you and my commitment to myself that, that I won't ever refer to this as a snack pack again. This is an emblem. It's a sacrament. It's of the utmost importance. And so right now, I want you to begin to think about what this communion really means to you. Are, you. are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive this gift? Are you ready to, to take part in this communion? Are you ready to come under the covering? And maybe, maybe you don't quite understand what that means just yet, and, and, and that's my job tonight, is I wanna, I wanna help us understand what this really means. So don't rush into it, but you'll know God will speak to you in your heart when you're ready. Amen? Amen? Amen. Why don't you go ahead and grab a seat, give somebody some love on the way down. Thank you, worship team. Amazing job, as always. So good. How's everyone doing tonight? What a great night. This is the start of an eight-day celebration, and it, it did begin with the feast, the lamb that was, that was slain. And tonight on this night of communion, I wanted to talk a little bit about what, what communion means and, and kind of ask some questions to kind of help us all identify where we're at and whether or not we are ready. And so we're going to start off in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, 17, and this is in the Amplified. The cup of blessing of wine at the Lord's Supper, upon which we ask God's blessing, does it not mean that in drinking it we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the blood of Christ, the Messiah? The bread which we break, does it not mean that in eating it we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the body of Christ? For we, no matter how numerous we are, are one body because we all partake of the one bread, the one whom the communion bread represents. So this word communion, actually, it, it, the, in the Greek, it's kononia, 
or kononoia, and it actually means fellowship. It means participation. So, so Jesus is saying that, that in this communion, when it was instituted, when he passed the cup, when he broke the bread, he's saying, we're, we're doing this together. We're all in this together. I'm showing you the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But, but it's a participation. It's, it's, a, it's a conscious decision that each of his disciples, each of us, would make to agree with the connection, to agree with the fellowship. Because communion means coming into agreement. You're coming into fellowship. You're joining with something. You're, you're making a decision that, that you want to be a participant, that you want to partake in what is being offered. And this is, is not just a physical thing. You know, we, we have the juice, which represents the blood, and we have the physical cracker, which represents the bread. But this is of eternal significance. It's of eternal importance. It, it's called a sacrament. Another sacrament is, is baptism. Another thing that shouldn't be done lightly. It shouldn't be taken lightly. This is a, baptism is a dedication of your life to a walk with Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a remission of your sins. You're putting the old life behind you. You're coming in to a new thing. In the same way, the communion is like a spiritual baptism. Jesus was, was baptized in blood as he went to the cross. He was beaten. He was bruised. It said in the Bible that, that when he was put up on that cross, he was almost unrecognizable as a human being. You couldn't even tell that he was a man. He was beaten. He was bloody. He was bruised so badly. But he did it willingly. He did it willingly so that we could have a relationship with him. Not just, not just those who were there in his time, not just those who could see him crucified, but anybody, anybody from that point forward who would call on his name, who would look up to the cross. As Chris said, anybody who looks up to where your help comes from, it was there for the taking. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. That's a challenge. Some, some religions will say that, that you're not authorized or you're not allowed to participate in communion until you've gone through a set of courses or classes or had, had a confirmation or, or something that, that uh, signifies to other people that you're ready to take. But in this house, we don't do it the same way because in the Bible it says, it doesn't say that somebody else has to test you or that somebody else has to, to give you an exam or somebody else has to, to make sure that you're ready to receive. All it says is that you should examine yourself. And so we believe in this house that all are welcome. Everyone is welcome to receive communion. The title of this message is Open Table. Open Table. We believe that Christ has provided a way for anyone to come to his table. Not everybody accepts the invitation. Not everybody makes that choice. Not everybody believes that they're worthy. And that's all part of it is that we each have to examine ourselves. We each have to determine what, it is, what is it that makes me worthy? What, what is it that, that gives me the right to participate in this communion? And so in the kingdom of heaven, the table is always open, but a reservation is required. A reservation is required. Has anybody ever used the open table app? 
It's a good app. You know, if you open it up right now, you could find lots of availability. There's always, there's always somewhere available. There's always somewhere that you can go out to eat. Uh, not every restaurant requires a reservation, but usually the ones that uh, are booked up the fastest are the ones that require a reservation. You know, if you leave here and you're looking for a good place to eat and you go on there, uh, you might not be able to get a seat at some of the best tables because a reservation is required. But you'll be able to find a seat somewhere. Well, in the kingdom of heaven, a reservation is required, but there's a catch. You can only book one seat. Each of us can only ever book one seat to his table. We can't, we can't make a reservation for somebody else. We can't make a reservation for our children as much as we'd like to, as much as we, we pray that that happens, as much as, as we pray every night, I, I pray over my boys that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I pray that, that they would make that decision, that they would make that choice, that they would accept the invitation, but, but everybody has to make their own reservation. We each have to decide for ourselves. Well, what does that look like? What are we making a reservation for? Well, I'm so glad you asked. In the Bible, Jesus talks about the parable of the great feast, the great feast, and this is where a king uh, is, is preparing a banquet for his son. A king has prepared the table, he's prepared the banquet for this wedding feast, and, and he's invited some select guests. But these guests, for, for whatever reason, they either ignore the invitation or they, or they come up with some excuse. One, one says, I just bought a pair of oxen, so I have to try them out. One says, I, I, just, I just bought a field, so I have to go and plant that. One says, I just got a wife, so I can't come. I don't know why that is, but I guess she had other plans. The king has prepared this banquet, but the ones who were initially chosen, the ones who were first chosen, have declined to come. And so we're going to pick up Matthew 22, verse 8. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Ouch. Now go out into the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. Interesting. And the banquet hall was filled with guests, good and bad alike. Everyone, they went out, they compelled people to come into the wedding feast. Everybody is able. Everybody is invited. Maybe, maybe the, the initial, the select few that were first chosen, you know, maybe they, they, they just couldn't make that decision. Maybe they couldn't make that choice. But, but the choice is out there for everyone now. There's no excuse. Anybody has the potential. Anybody has the, the welcome invite, the good and bad alike. In Isaiah 11, verse 6, there's, there's a passage of Scripture that talks about God's holy mountain. It talks about Zion. It talks about New Jerusalem. These, this, is, this is what heaven will be. And uh, it says in this Scripture that the, the calf and the lion will, will lay down together, and the wolf and the lamb will live together. And uh, as I was reading this Scripture at the end of last year when we were doing the, the Bible in a year, um, it just jumped out to me, and I had this thought, well, I guess it's true. All dogs do go to heaven. It says it right there, the wolf and the lamb will, will live together on his holy mountain. And, uh, and for some reason, this, this just kind of stuck with me, this, this thought, and, and I couldn't shake it. And I, I just had this word pop into my heart, like, you're, you're going to preach a, a word on this. And I'm like, cool. I have no idea what that word is going to be. All dogs go to heaven. Like, how do you preach on that? Is that even true? Like, is it, is it even scriptural? I know it's in that verse. But what, is that, what does that even mean? And so I just, I sat on it for a while and I, I couldn't, I, you know, every now and then it would come up and then one Sunday I was, I was in church and then for some reason somebody said something that reminded me of it. I'm like, okay, God, if you want me to preach on this, you're going to have to give me some confirmation. 
And I kid you not, I go home, and, and my youngest boy, Noah, he's sitting at the table, and he's playing with some toys, not talking to anybody, and then out of nowhere, without any prompting, he just says, all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> like, what did you say? All dogs go to heaven. Like, I had not watched the movie with them. I, I don't know if Lisa had. I think, I think he and the boys, my older boys, may have watched it at some point, but it was completely unprompted. And, and that was the confirmation that I needed, but there's a problem. I still don't know how to preach it. I still didn't, I still didn't know what I was supposed to say about it. In fact, the only, the only verse that really came to mind when I was thinking about this is a verse that's, that's one of the hardest to swallow. It's actually a verse that's one of the most offensive things and, and seemingly unwarranted offensive things that Jesus has ever said. Matthew 15, 22 to 28. And I was, I was struggling with this so much because I, I, I kept thinking, well, I know if I, if I preach on this word, then the woke police are going to come after me. And, uh, well, good thing the woke police have no authority here. In fact, the woke police have no authority anywhere. They just think that they do. So I want you, I want you to hear this word. It's a powerful word. It's a challenging word. Matthew 15, 22 to 28. A Gentile woman, it's a woman not of the Hebrew faith, not an Israelite, a Canaanite woman or a Seraphonician woman who lived there, came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. So she recognized that he was Lord and she recognized that he was the Messiah. The son of David is a description of the Messiah. For my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Jesus gave her no reply. A little bit rude. Not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her, go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. This woman is pleading for her daughter's life. Her daughter is tormented by a demon. Jesus won't talk to her. And the disciples are saying, get rid of her. She's annoying us. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was only sent to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Those are the first people we were talking about that were initially invited to the great feast. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Jesus responded with, most, with one of the most offensive things that's in the Bible. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Jesus, are you kidding me? This woman is pleading. She's begging for her daughter's life. She sees that you are the son of David. She's calling you Lord. She's persistent. She has one of the most noble causes any person could ever think of on the planet. And you're telling her that she's like a little dog. She replied, that's true. Unexpected. Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, change of tone. Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. We've got to be a people that can move past offenses. It's impossible that offenses won't come. Imagine, imagine if this woman was was rightly so, most of, it we, most of us would say, caught up in the offense of the moment, caught up in the offense of Jesus not talking during the first place, caught up in the offense of the disciples telling her to get away, caught up in the offense of being called a dog, a lesser race. 
someone who wasn't worthy of the miracle. None of that mattered to her. All that mattered to her was seeing her daughter healed. In other translations, it says, Jesus tells her, good answer. Because of your answer. Not, not because of, of her persistence, not because of, of her recognizing him as Lord, not because she knew that he was the Messiah, but because of her answer. I want you to think for a moment about the last time you were offended and what your answer was. How did you respond out of that offense? It probably wasn't like this woman. It's very difficult to respond like this woman did, but this woman had great faith, Jesus said. If we wanna come into communion with Jesus, we have to have faith like this woman. We have to have faith that says it doesn't matter what the offense is. It doesn't matter what I'm being called. It doesn't matter what, what other people are telling me or, or, or telling me that I can or can't do. All that matters is I believe in Jesus. All that matters is my faith in him. All that matters is that I'm, I'm pressing in for healing. By his stripes, we are healed. Because of this blood, we are healed. Because of what he did, we're healed. We don't have to accept sickness anymore. Have you been offended because a doctor tells you that you're always going to have this condition? Have you agreed with that statement? Have you been offended because, because somebody prayed for you and you weren't healed? you got to have the persistence of this woman. you got to have the faith of this woman. Has, has somebody told you, stop going down to the altar for your healing? Stop, stop believing. Stop, stop going and, 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 and getting prayer. It's not going to happen for you. Get away from him. Has somebody told you that you're not worthy of healing because of a mistake that you've made? Has somebody told you that you're not worthy of healing because of who you are or where you came from or the things that you did? We can't believe these lies. We can't succumb to this offense. It's, it's, it's so sad what, what the world is trying to do with things like critical race theory, CRT. You know, they're, they're trying to get people to, to camp out in a place of offense. They're trying to get people to remember things that, that actually didn't even happen to them. It happened to their ancestors. Not saying that, that bad things don't still happen. They absolutely do. Racism still exists. But the idea that, that you should camp there is a tool of the enemy. I think, I think CRT really stands for, for Christian robbing tool. All it's doing is robbing you of your blessing. If this woman would have gotten caught up in offense, she would have been robbed of her miracle. We can't allow ourselves to be robbed of the miracle. It's so difficult to receive the invitation of grace if we're caught up in offense. What we should be believing is Galatians 3:28. There is now no distinction, neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is not male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All of us are one. The race doesn't matter. Your gender doesn't matter. Your socioeconomic standing doesn't matter in Christ. Everyone, we're all one when we're in communion with Christ. That's what we have to believe. Communion of Christ is an open table. The servants, us, we're called to go and, and compel. Compel anyone, compel everyone to come into the table. Is anyone excluded? Some have excluded themselves. Mark 2, 15. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' following. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? 
locates them. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Those who know they are sinners. How do I know if I'm worthy to take communion? Step one, recognize my unworthiness. Recognize the fact that I am a sinner, that I've made mistakes, that in and of myself, I don't have the righteousness to be worthy. Only Christ has the righteousness, and that's why he had to give himself as the sacrifice. That's why he had to be crucified, because he's the only one who can make a way for the rest of us. Step two, accept the invitation. Accept the invitation and make a reservation. That's it. That's all that's, that's needed to be, to be worthy to partake of communion. Just recognize that it's only through Jesus that we're worthy. And accept an invitation into communion with him. So right now, I want to pray for you. If you've never accepted that invitation, if you've never made a reservation at the king's table, if you've never signed up for the great banquet, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the method to becoming worthy. And that is what's required. That is the reservation. Saying yes to receiving Jesus, having your name written in the Lamb's book of life. So right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if anybody here tonight wants to accept that invitation and make a reservation for themselves, remember, nobody else can do this for you. This is your personal decision to be in communion with God because of the blood of Jesus. Then I'd love to pray with you. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now? God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. See those hands right there. Anyone else tonight? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you in the back. God bless you. Back there. God bless you. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you over there. So proud of you. God bless you, sir. If you, if you don't have these emblems, if you don't have one of these, the ushers can get that to you. Just raise your hand right now if you need one. The ushers is, are going to run that up to you. Up in the back as well. I'm going to pray right now. And, and as you're ready, as you're ready, you can take communion. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. I thank you that, that on this night, on Passover, we get to recognize, we get to remember your sacrifice. I thank you for the opportunity to be invited to your banquet. And right now, for, for every one of these people who have lifted up their hand and said they, they, they want to be in relationship with you, they want to be in communion with you, I thank you that you minister to them right now. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want everybody here tonight, especially those of you that lifted up your hand, just repeat after me to say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, the Lamb, to be a sacrifice for me, that his blood covers all my sins, and I am forgiven. I thank you that his body is a symbol of communion, of connection, 
of fellowship, of life with him. I pray that from this day forward, my life will be a reflection of what he's done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're ready right now, you may take communion. After the service, my friends are going to be over here. They have a, a book, a Bible called Following Jesus, a book called Following Jesus, and a Bible for you if you don't have one. We'd love to invite you to come and meet with them and, and pray with them after. But there's a little bit more that I want to do before we close. Making the reservation is one thing, but then attending, attending the banquet is another. So the first point of this message is all dogs go to heaven. The second point of this message is not all disciples do. Not all disciples do. Luke 22:14. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And in the Bible, in certain translations, it's under a section title called The Last Passover. In the Christian faith, we don't necessarily celebrate Passover the way that Jews do, because we believe that Christ, in this moment, was the fulfillment of Passover. Christ came to fulfill the law, so that from that moment on, we don't necessarily need to partake in Passover as a part of our faith, our walk with Jesus Christ. Now, some people do, still do celebrate it, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with remembering it. But it's not, it's not a principle that's required for your Christian faith. Verse 17, then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it amongst yourself, for I will not drink wine again. And for any religious people that uh, maybe believe that drinking wine is a sin, you can underline that verse. It says, he drink wine again, which means that he's done it before, until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die, but what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 13, it says that when Jesus handed the, the communion to Judas, and Judas took it and dipped it in the cup, and partook of that communion, that the, that the devil, that Satan, entered into him. You see, communion taken in malice is an open door to the devil. If you, if you take communion with malice in your heart, you're inviting, you're inviting trouble. You're inviting doom into your life. If you take communion in an unworthy way, then you're taking communion like Judas did. So we need to examine ourselves. We've accepted the invitation. We've made a, made a reservation in heaven. Jesus, Judas was sitting at the table with Jesus. Just an invitation, just a reservation at the table doesn't guarantee that you'll sit there. We have to continue to make the choices. We have to continue to, to come to Jesus in a worthy manner. We have to continue to come without malice in our heart, without deceit, not, not putting on a facade or putting on a face. We have to come to him humbly, knowing that we're only able to take this because of what he did.
Matthew 22. We're going to continue in, in the parable of the great feast, verse 11. But when the king came to, in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet, throw him into outer darkness. It's a stiff penalty for a dress code violation. <laughs> Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus is speaking in this, in this passage about hypocrites, the people who, who say one thing and do another. He, he talked about the Pharisees as, as people that were whitewashed tombs. They, they scrub the outside to, to make it look good, but inside they are empty. When you come to the great feast, when you come to the Lord's table, what you're wearing on the outside is actually a reflection of what's on the inside. So this man didn't have the right clothes because, because what was inside of him was empty. What was inside of him wasn't, wasn't ready for the wedding. What, he wasn't dressed for the wedding because he never knew Jesus in his heart. The persona that we, that we put on when we take communion should be a reflection of, of what's on the inside. And, and if you're examining yourself and, you're, and, you, and you know in your heart that, that what's on the inside isn't, isn't the right clothing, what's on the inside isn't the right garment, what's on the inside doesn't reflect what Jesus wants for us and doesn't reflect what should be sitting at Jesus' table, that's okay. What we're gonna do at the end is we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray that, that those things, those weights, those burdens that are in your heart are removed. The Bible says that, that we are called to lay all of our burdens at the cross. We receive, we receive salvation, but we still have to, to walk through life. We still can pick up some dirt. We still can make some mistakes. We can still do things that, that are malicious. We can still do things that, that don't make it right for us to sit at the table. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're, we're not invited in. The reservation is still good. The reservation can't be taken away. Once you've made a reservation, it's yours to keep forever, for eternity. A belief in the heart and the confession of the mouth and you are saved, that's it. But as we walk through life, as we're disciples of Jesus Christ, as we accept the great commission, the calling, to go out into the world and make more disciples for him, invite everybody to come in. All are welcome. We need to do it in a way that reflects his goodness. We need to constantly, and Jesus says, do this as often as you do this, remember me. As often as you take this, remember me. You don't have to, to wait for our next communion service to take communion. You can take communion in your house, but do it in a manner that's worthy. Do it with examination in your heart. Maybe if you know that you're walking through a difficult time right now, maybe if you know that, that uh, maybe there's, you're battling a sickness right now, you're believing for healing. I, I know people that have, that have taken communion every day until they've, they've seen the healing in the natural that they believe for in the spiritual. Maybe that's a word for you. But when you do it, remove all doubt, remove all malice, remove anything that would prevent you from receiving fully, remove anything that especially would be an open door to the enemy. This is a new covenant. Jeremiah 31 says, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant. I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. 
I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. As we come to a close, why don't we all stand up? I'm gonna pray and then the team is gonna bring a song and, and I would invite you as you're ready to take communion. Maybe, maybe you wanna come down to the altar. The ministry team is gonna be here after the service. They, they'd love to pray with you if you have any prayer requests. If there's anything that's burdening your heart, maybe you wanna just take communion right where you're at in your seats, that's fine too. But do it with a, a healthy examination. Do it with a, a healthy introspection of what's in your heart. Is there any malice there? Is there any unforgiveness there? Is there, is there a lack of faith there? Is there anything that would prevent me from, from coming to his table, knowing that I'm worthy because he has made me worthy, knowing that I'm saved because of what he did, knowing that, that I'm set free because of his sacrifice, knowing that his blood is covering me, knowing that his body is an avenue, a method of communion, a method of connection. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for the opportunity to accept the invitation that you've made available for everyone, that you have, have created an open table that each one of us can have a seat at. As we say yes to you, as we remember you, as we thank you, as we lay all our burdens at the feet of the cross, and if there's anybody right now that you're carrying a heavy burden, just put your hand over your heart. God, I thank you for a clean heart. I thank you for restoration in these lives. I thank you that as they take communion on this Passover night, they're remembering the lamb that was slain. They're remembering the blood that was shed, but they're remembering and they're understanding the connection, the communion that they have with you and with every one of us here. All who are in the body can take this communion and be one. Be one with you, be one with each other. I thank you for the agreements that we make right now with your words for us, that you have a future and a hope for us, that you have plans for us, that you have dreams for us, that we're not a product of our past, we're not a product of our mistakes, we're a product of what you paid for us, that we receive, we receive that gift, the free gift of grace right now, that no sin can prevent us from entering into your kingdom, from sitting at your table. God, I thank you that as we sing this song, we recognize Passover. We, ne we recognize your salvation, your protection, your covering over our lives. We thank you right now for the covering over our family, for the covering over this house. We thank you for your grace. It's sufficient for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.